0: if you're not catechizing your kids, someone is. And right now it's Target and Amazon.com and the Google Doodle and whoever else. But a word of encouragement too, this is a conversation that you can have with your kids. Welcome to the Stand Firm podcast. I'm Nick Lannon of Grace Anglican Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and I am here today with Matt Kennedy of the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd in Binghamton, New York, and J.D. Koch of St. Luke's Anglican Church on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. How are you guys today? Great, Nick. Well, seems seems to me that we have two options for witty banter today We can either add our voices to the giant pile of voices commenting briefly on the life and ministry of Tim Keller or we can talk about how Matt Kennedy's daughter has suddenly become <laughs> the most eligible bachelorette in Christendom
1: <laughs> I miss I, I miss that somehow I mean I'm not surprised
2: uh, no, no, I, I, on Sunday I was I was really pleased I mean she she there's a, a young suitor who's been after her Knock, knocking at your door. Yeah. 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 And, um, Emma was, uh, was told him that because he was unchurched, basically he's a Christian, but he doesn't go to church except when he wants to. And because of that, he lacks Christian depth. She said, well, I that's then I will no longer be available for you. So I thought that was really, I mean, that's kind of, that's what that's, that was, I, I, I just remember myself at 20, and, uh, yeah it's just nothing like that my my my, this... my daughter would have hated me <laughs> <laughs> does this does this
1: does this type of announcement in your family take place at the announcements at your church like is this like during the peace <laughs> 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 like, the way, we have a new we have a new status update um yeah. one of the young young eligible co-eds our church
2: no, nice, he's it. a nice guy. I felt, I felt <laughs> kind of bad for him, but I was really proud of my daughter. You know, really, was, maybe he'll get
1: it. Maybe he'll get his act together. Stranger things have happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. hope so. And you know, um, seven years later, you might, who knows? And who knows? In the meantime, <laughs> right. there and will you, be. And you have another no, daughter too, so. <laughs>
2: right. I've got four of them, so yeah.
1: I thought y'all wanted to talk. Maybe we will talk about the Dodgers and their incredible reversal. Oh, no. uh, about the sisters of perpetual indulgence. Oh right, yeah. I've
2: been
1: following that. I think that was like yesterday. Was it
2: yesterday? Yeah, it was of a couple days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who would think that, like, like an American institution like the Los Angeles Dodgers, or are, are they Los Angeles? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't <know> what <laughs> anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, not Brooklyn anymore. I guess. So they, no. They were... Certainly not. <laughs> but they they, so your they age, would Matt, be apologizing. So your age. <laughs> <laughs> they would be apologizing to the. Uh, sisters are a perpetual indulgence
1: yeah one of the people quoted in one of the articles i heard about um is goes by this the quote-unquote stage name sister porn again that's p with a that's porn with a p um and they're like what it's just all in good fun like who who would
0: be we do the same uh, thing the nuns do yeah
1: that's right that's um i mean i mean i it's really i've been getting more and more um talking about this more and more about the battle is not against flesh and blood, but princes and principalities of the air because it is um, just so clearly, you know, a spiritual and, and demonic sort of realm that is being opened up. It's like Ghostbusters 5, you know, <laughs> watching. It's like, like you know, come to the Dodgers and um, see the river of molten anger uh, yeah. manifest itself in the Sisters <laughs> of Perpetual Indulgence. I don't you know. I'm sorry, Nick. I know you probably have some sort no, of it's, it, witty it, intro.
0: It totally... Goes right hand in hand. I mean, Pride Month is fixing to be intense and it's not even here yet. We're already having these conversations about the Dodgers and Target and so and so and like all American holidays pride creep has set in there there are already (laughs) debaucherous displays in every store i enter target of course is in the news recently for their especially egregious offerings for really small children so by the
1: satanist by the by the self-proposed satanist (laughs) we're definitely respects your
0: pronouns (laughs) we're definitely not target shoppers in this family anymore yeah can't handle it either We do talk about LGBTQ plus ideology a lot here at Stand Firm, but this week we wanted to set ourselves a special question, um, one that has been prevalent in my own mind, which is how do we talk about this kind of thing to our kids? Now, obviously, different aged kids will have to be addressed in different ways, but I was surprised that the course of a recent conversation I had with my own kids, we had to go all the way back to the foundational ideas of objectivity and subjectivity and truth uh, so, you guys, what are some of the things that Christian parents should be thinking about as they prepare to talk to their kids about
2: pride? I mean, I think I think you're right to name age as is one issue, but but also. Uh, educational context. Are, are they in public school or are they in private school or are they being homeschooled right. or in a classical school? If they're in public school, I think that those are the parents who have the most to worry about. And I understand why some parents could just have to put them in public school because the finances or, or, or whatever situation might be. But those, I think those are the parents most at risk. Although some private schools, even private Christian schools are, are trending. Uh, yeah, quote and, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Um, So I I think, I think that talking to uh, starting very early um, with a child, with your son, with your daughter, with your children, talking about what, why God made you to be a boy or why God made you to be a girl and how beautiful that is. And how, if you, if if you get married when you're older, what that, how that, how that's a beautiful picture of Jesus and his church I think those, those, kind of, those kinds of conversations can happen without being too explicit, just very early on, just saying, that God, God really loved you so much he made you a girl, God really loved you so much he made you a boy, and and, and because you're a girl, if you get married, you're going to get married to a boy who's, uh, and, and you can just, you know, just have little conversations like that at home. Now, of course, you're going to get, again, depending on the age, you're going to get bombarded in a lot of public schools. With the pride month paraphernalia. Paraffin- paraffin- yeah, yeah. So I think you also have to say, look, I think you also, I mean, I don't, I think we're in a foreign land now, right? We are not in, yes. we're in Egypt, we're in Babylon. So, so that means the parents really have to talk to kids about what Babylonians believe and what would. <laughs> and what you, what you
1: that's what i was gonna say like i think i think even before pride month and, it's, and of course you have older children Matt, so correct me yeah. i mean please if i'm mistaken but right. but um you know from a very early age we began teaching like really what the distinction between a christian and non-christian is yeah. and it's not um you know we're, we're clear to say it's not necessarily a moral category although you know they have different morals than christians and non-christians do but that it's really a question of lost and found and that people who are lost, who do not know God, you know, act in d- dramatically different ways, believe different things. And part of our role and responsibility in the world is to is to witness to them. You know, we, we've been talking to our, you know, four or five and six-year-olds now for years about that, so much so that when they hear about people who have sort of different actions or beliefs, they're like, oh, well, they must not be Christians. And so we have to say, nice. well, they might be, but, um, but that's kind of the default uh, mission. And I'm grateful that they aren't saying it with like a sense of fear or even contempt or anger, but just sort of a matter of fact, well, if you don't believe in Jesus and you don't believe that God created the world and is the father, uh, you know, almighty, well, then of course you might believe that this mountain is God or the sun is God or things like this. And that's, that's begun laying the fr- framework for this discussion because part of, we, we have an eight-year-old that's just now starting to sort of age-appropriate body discussions and things like this um, because we want to be on the forefront of explaining it to her before she finds out from a rebellious 13 year old at summer camp or something but you know even then it's like the the framework the whole discussion is well if you don't believe god created in his image men and women well then you might believe all sorts of things about about who you might be or, or could be and that's why there are some people who are confused and we pray for them and then they're always like and daddy tries his best to uh, bring them to know Jesus. You know? So I'm like, well, and then they look at me, and I'm like, yeah, that's what I do, kids. So that's kind of our mo at the at the moment. But of course, you know you've you've been walking through the whole uh, you have the, you know you have all the way up to twenty year olds, so you're um, right in the thick of it.
2: Well, it has been. I mean, as I was, I'll say, I mean, just we homeschooled, and when they got into high school, we put them through Memoria Press, which is an online acad- classical based academy, and so it hasn't been it hasn't been difficult that they've been getting the same message from us that they get at school uh, in the classes they take. And most, a lot of the kids at our church are homeschooled too, not all of them, but, but a lot of them are, are. And, and so we, we have had kind of a cultural worldview uniformity around our kids um, from the time they've been, they've been small. And I think, I mean, I, I know that there's people who say you want to put them into a, Public school, so they can, you know, bear witness to the gospel. No, that, that's fine. I'm not, I don't want to get in that argument, but I will say that for us, this has provided a safe, protected environment for them to grow up and and learn about what the world will tell them. Learn about what you know, what what they're going to hear when they go to college or when they go when they get, go to work. But I'll also hear about that in the context where. We can provide them with, we can equip them wow. with ways to to combat that way of thinking. And it sounds like that's kind of what you were doing, Nick, with your, with yeah, your you, kids. I mean, you,
0: you train a scuba diver in a swimming pool so that if something goes yeah, right. wrong, you're right there to save them. <laughs> you don't put. And I've, I've used this exact example on this show before, but you don't send your children out to be missionaries in the world in lieu of yourself first of all, and without any sort of training and support you you train them at home in the safety and then even when somebody goes out to swim with the sharks we enclose them in a steel cage we're very concerned about their protection i did have my children in public school for a number of years but but i think that it's it's even broader than that It's, it's just now a cultural assumption yeah that blur that really does, and I like I alluded to in the introduction, I really was able to see this in my own kids in a recent conversation. The you really have to drill down to get to the distinction between well, everybody thinks what they they think. Like so-and-so right. thinks this, that's true. So-and-so <laughs> thinks this, that's true. And you really have to slow the kids down and say, now, is this a thing about which two different things could be true? Like, is this an opinion Sorry. which ice cream flavor is preferable? Or is this a thing about which there is an objective truth? And that's a that's a conversation that is happening in the cultural level less and less, I think.
1: And that's what C.S. Lewis saw. I mean, a lot of people have seen it, but I was just reminded of this, this retreat I was on in um, Abolition of Man. You know, his opening, one of the opening vignettes in that book is about um, a question as to, whether or not this waterfall—I forget what the exact words were—but it was essentially a value judgment on whether it was beautiful or not. And his argument was like, once we put beauty totally in the eye of the beholder into a subjective category, then we've lost any kind of like objective way to measure, uh, you know, fact over values or or, as, as, or fact over or opinion. And so, you know, I think that we've seen this creeping for for decades, if not centuries, and we're seeing the full flowering of it now, where among Christian people, it's like, well, you know, what is truth? I mean, we've all become full circle to the crypto postmodernist pilot um, in the face of Jesus's audacious claim—you know—to be the way, the truth, and the life. Um, so, what is truth? Well, it's, um, you know, and I think it's interesting that your kids, Nick, and you, given them every opportunity to go for I mean, obviously, with regular failings, but I mean, it, it, certainly more than most. And yet, even even they are struggling with this concept. I think that's a that's a cautionary tale for all of us going forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's part of our social imaginary. We just we just we intuitively think of ourselves as the arbiters of our own truth. That's we're raised to think that, and we're, we, we swim in that water. And and so it takes it takes a lot of it takes a, a, a an explicit and careful identification of that false philosophy on the part of parents and teachers to bring it to the surface and then say, okay, here's why, here's why that's wrong. Um, yeah, you can't just, you can't just, we're no longer in in a culture in which you could just go along and and assume your kids are going to imbibe any, any kind of classical understanding of what truth is. It's, it's not, we're not in that place anymore. I mean, I know that like in already it's happening, but in about like two weeks, a week, a week, I'm sorry. Yeah, my my neighborhood in particular, there's there, we live in the west side of Binghamton, which is which is pretty progressive. And there's going to be wall to wall trans flags, and on every in every yard is going to be the 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 secular creed or the, the LGBT creed. In this house, we believe. Yeah, it's going to be every everywhere. So, so you're right, Nick. It's not just the schools. It's every. You can't watch TV. You can't mm. go on to social media. You can't. You know, there's it's you're, you're just it's wall to wall this idolatry this false god has been sex god has 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 taken over every aspect of our lives so again we we're we're we are foreigners we are we're strangers in a strange and, land of our kids so our
0: kids don't want to be hateful and this culture will make them feel hateful immediately for any sort of hesitation or Failure to immediately
2: recognize the, the wonderfulness of all this stuff. Yeah, you don't even have to. I mean, I think it's important. You don't have to not. I mean, you don't have to like put a uh, buy a sign with a rainbow and a, a X to it. A <laughs> rainbow flag and an X to it. You just don't put your rainbow flag up, right? Just don't wear any kind of paraphernalia. Don't put any kind of symbol on your car, and that that already kind of marks you out as it's a, a kind of what's wrong with that guy? What, is he not? Does he? Doesn't he celebrate Pride? What's, well,
1: we all could well we could resurrect the great june 24th as the overthrow of Roe day and try to like take back the um <laughs> the you know the celebration we the celebration of that you know so that life we could push back. Yeah. That. that's right this is the month of life uh we're gonna have a um celebration of the emancipation or the possible emancipation of the unborn i don't know that's one of our theory one of our thoughts going forward but i do think you know i it, it Again, back to the one of them. Sorry, I'm mixing podcasts because I was listening <laughs> to y'all's motivations on this. But, you know, we could talk about Tim Keller. Um, I mean, God rest his soul. And I.
0: I well, hold on, hold just, on. I don't, I don't want to move on from this yet. I did want sorry. to say for the one. I
1: wasn't, I wasn't going to talk about him. I was going to say that for those of you who think that we are in some sort of neutral world, then next month, right. um, sure certainly, we'll in, I mean, just take next month in the celebrations on TV and in the stores. And compare it to the relative paucity that came from Easter just a month ago or so, yep. and see what the real religious um, theocrats are in our country, and stop whining so much about the the specter of Christian nationalism. Start worrying about what does Mary Harrington call it, um, a bio-libertarian cyborg theocracy. <laughs>
2: <You> know, that's <laughs>
1: that's the real that's the real frightening uh, specter to be afraid of.
0: Yeah, I think that there's, and I know that we've said this before too, but. Um, there's a that there's a stern word to parents here, which I hear myself, which is that if you're not catechizing your kids, someone is, and right now it's Target, and Amazon.com, and the Google Doodle, and whoever else. But a word of encouragement too: this is a conversation that you can have with your kids, even your young kids, as as you were saying earlier, Jaden, and I. How to even though we did have to in the little conversation we had the other night at dinner, go back to first principles, we did that and they were able to understand and there, when you can, you know, use examples from the real world, about objectivity and subjectivity, these are conversations that can be had, this truth can be communicated, and the good news, not only can be heard, but needs to be heard by our children from from the very earliest
2: stages. Amen. I think I was talking about Dan about this on on either motivations or printing guys Cambridge one. But, but do you ever do you ever <laughs> do you ever
0: speak without a microphone in your face? Stop podcasting. That's right. You're like Max Headroom.
1: That's right. <laughs> like Matt is the first AI
2: chatbot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I say that lovingly, so. Matt. Very realistic.
2: <laughs> well, we were saying. <laughs> uh, and I forgot what we were saying. It just went out of my head. What, what was it that I was saying? Oh, 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 oh this is what it was. Uh, you know, I, was saying, we were, I was talking about how, like, when it first, you know, when the, when, the, when the rainbow flags first started showing up, this is back in the early 2000s, and I didn't know. I think I maybe I didn't, maybe I did know what they meant. but I don't remember knowing what they meant back then. Um, but there was, like, maybe one or two in, in Binghamton, and it was, like, very early on. And and one of them was flying from the house on the west side of, of the assistant... Rector of Trinity uh, Episcopal here in, in Binghamton, which is one of the cardinal parishes, and she, her name was Heath Savetta, and she invited us over for tea. It was like I think it's even before Jean Robinson happened. I don't know, uh, but I think it was. So we went over there, and she had this rainbow flag in her front porch, and I thought, oh, I I, I thought that's kind of pretty, rainbow. It's it's like May sun was shining, birds were singing, green grass, all spring was springing. So it was just, it was kind of a beautiful thing. But you know, when I found out what it meant, but and really Irased what it meant that, that the beauty was lost. But but I think what what is happening happening now is the aesthetic of of the LGBTQ movement is so ugly now. It's lost. Not that, it, not, that it, not that it was ever actually true beautiful, but it had a veneer of Of shyness to it, maybe back in the early 2000s, but now it's just ugly. It's 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 men with with facial hair and makeup, and Adam's apple telling children to tune out their parents and tune (laughs) into tune into them. It's 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 the trans flag the trans LGBT clip with this ugly, nasty brown weirdness, an arrow cutting through the rainbow. It's it's also
0: inextricably linked to truly horrifying surgeries.
2: Yeah. yeah 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 i mean if you i mean i don't recommend
1: anyone well don't google it for goodness sakes but there are those like there's those training videos that have been going around that are you know at least blessedly uh, um animated
0: goodness gracious so the horrifying ugliness cannot help but seep through
2: right i mean i remember i remember saying i whenever i teach on the deceptions of Satan, right? One of the things I tell my people is, you know, you, Satan's not going to come out and say, hey, I'm Satan. <laughs> uh, he's not going to, he's not going to, he doesn't have the horns in the, in the red suit and uh, he's not hideous. He comes as an angel of light because he wants you to not recognize him. But I think he's he seems to have dropped the angel of light bit sorry <laughs> he just he's now full on Satan'm I'm gonna mutilate children and keep them from going to puberty and and separate them from their parents um and you're gonna celebrate this and everyone's saying yeah yeah let's do it it's just amazing
1: yeah it's it is amazing I mean I think I was I was um I was talking about this, at the Rector's Forum at St. Luke's just this past Sunday that I haven't given up like persuading people, but it has, it has brought me to a place of redoubled like actual prayer. I mean, like deep, specific, persistent prayer, because this is so clearly a a deception and a assault. You know, I don't know how else to, I keep using the Gerizine demoniac as an example. I don't know what else to, to go to. It's like, this is, these people are being assaulted, driven to self-harm among the tombs and the only the only recourse for this is exorcism i mean it's deliverance because there's no other explanation for it
0: and as we talk to our kids at least the the theme that i i've found myself returning to my wife and i is the idea of the sort of youthful desire for meaning and identification And I know that that's how I felt at a younger age. Often, you know, as a human being, I still feel that way. But when there is no good, loving father in heaven who has given you identity, who names you, who knew you from when you were in your mother's womb and has loved you and has given everything for you, when you don't have that, you're going to be casting about weeping and gnashing your teeth, looking for anything to hold on to to identify yourself and as to use matt's analogy as satan lets himself out of his costume more and more the urge to identify more and more uniquely becomes stronger and stronger and so you know it's just like the first taste is always free but then you have to get more and stranger and harder and you have to have a particularly unique identity and whatever there are, you know, 800 sexual identities because everybody has to have their own unique thing. And it's only in Christ that we are in fact, uniquely known by our creator. And if you don't That's have right. that, which we can offer our kids, if you don't have that, that makes all the sense in the world about this desperate search for meaning that all of their non-Christian friends are going through.
1: That's right. And it's because if you have a, you have your own identity then you are unassailable when it comes to being judged and the greatest fear we have is that we are being judged because we're all under the, the just deserts of the co- accusation of the law and so in the absence of an actual absolution then the only the only recourse you have is is self affirmation which in this case looks like a creation of a of an unassailable identity that can't be held accountable for anything and that's 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 all the theological foundation of this entire Sort of psychosis is this run from the the law, which is understandable. Uh, but that's why Jesus came to silence the voice, the, to fulfill the accusation, and to give the church the voice of absolution that would finally silence that accusation that can't be silenced mm-hmm. in any other
0: way. That's why the only current sin is to not be true to yourself, because that's right. you that's because right. you are God.
1: Was well, also why all of these people pile on in support of the LGBTQ plus, because if that is true then nothing is wrong. I mean, that's that's the final thing. And so the last, I can say that and the best is that I'll be held accountable for any of the things that I feel like I might be held accountable for if something was true. But as long as a girl can just by fiat decide to be a boy and vice versa, and any possible sexual um, deviancy is 100 percent OK, as long as it's consensual, well, then I might be OK. And that's what's driving this entire thing, which is why again it's a spiritual, it's a, I mean Paul says this in Romans one: those who 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 not only reap the just desserts of, of their debauchery in their own bodies, but then there are those who condone the very thing that they know they not they ought they not to. And this is this is where we are, and that's why the celebration of Pride Month will be ten times louder than the celebration of Easter, because one is an affirmation of self and the other one is a is an affirmation of of Jesus' death for sinners.
2: I think that. Um, the church has a its job cut out for it. You know, especially because not only has this kind of thinking pervaded the world, it's it's beginning to um, pervade the church, and not just and not just the main lines. We were, you know, we know the main lines have been lost for, or at least most of them have been lost for a number of decades now. But even you know, and now now evangelicalism is being subverted. And, yeah, you know, I was just, <laughs> I just saw today, you know, the, the, I think we've mentioned his name last time, but, uh, but uh, an ACNA rector, ACNA rector, months after, I'm sorry, weeks after the, the arch, our archbishop signed on to the Kigali commitment saying, you know, we're not going to walk together with those who are leading people into sexual sin or leading people into sexual confusion. We can't be, we can't, we cannot have the same we can't, we're, we don't worship the same Lord. We're not in the same church. We're not in the same, it's not the same, same faith. Well, you know, this rector, ACNA rector from Austin, Texas um, decides to retweet Zach Ambert. I think his name is Lambert. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, who's a known, like well-known yeah. affirming pastor. Like he's like out there making uh, fighting the fight for affirmation and and all of the things we've been talking about. And he retweets this guy saying, oh, it's so sad that one of the churches that he was sponsoring got closed down. It was, it was also an affirming church. And and so what what, what is this lie is so, not, I don't know, I'm going lost ask myself why, why it's so powerful, why it's so pervasive, why even people in a church like ours, in a province like ours, which is, which was founded, which was founded in order to defy that lie and to and to, to be a bulwark against it even people within in our province are are confused and and leaders within our province are subverted and 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 taking people or pointing people to to false shepherds and retweeting and and participating with folks who are leading people astray so it's just a, it's just a it it seems so daunting when you think about just how quickly uh, our culture has been has been taken um and then how easy it is for even a, a faithful church to be infiltrated and and to be sapped I guess it goes to say you just can't rest. The, 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 you can rest in Christ. Yes, he's our he's our hope and our trust in Him for all things. And, and no, the gates of hell will never prevail over the church. But one of the means He uses to keep the gates of hell from prevailing over the church is our pastors and and teachers and fathers and mothers and teach and and catechists who who understand what the lie is and who are willing to put forth the truth, um, no matter if they lose friends or standing.
0: What's the modern-day equivalent? I was just thinking about this as you were talking, Matt. What's the modern-day equivalent to Elijah's contest with the prophets of Baal, where there's a very sort of objective, like, you call down fire from your God, I'll call down fire from my God, and we'll see what happens. And Paul is shown not to exist. Now these worshipers of self what is the contest that we might propose like you try to justify yourself i suppose in some sense and see how that goes for you and we will rely on the sufficiency of christ jesus and see what kind of existential peace that gains i mean what are we how, how do we actually meet on the field this false worship of self
1: well, I got a thought about that because I, I was just thinking about this. Uh, I don't think, you know, I haven't been given divine inspiration as a as a prophet uh, to speak, to, to, you know, directly at the moment. But, you know, I was reminded of the end of That Hideous Strength. I don't know if you remember that yeah. novel C.S. Lewis wrote where, you know, the people who were at the, um, I forget the name of the man or Matt, do you remember with the house? You know, at the very end, they're like, what did we do? Like, we just planted some berries. You know, yeah. we, we lived our lives. Like, they just... A, over against uh, terror of the terror of the nice and sort of the technocrats and things. And I was thinking about that, again, in life, <laughs> I know I sound like a broken record, Mary Harrington's book, but it's like, you know, there is a there's a dual path we're walking here and we need to be careful about self-righteousness and triumphalism. But at the same time, to the extent that we are buying into the redeemed program of God through absolution and uh, through, through the work of the church, through, um, you know, marriage, through child rearing, through uh, fellowship, the apostles teaching breaking of the bread that should be a clear sort of over against um, the claims of the world. And, and I, and I believe it actually is. I mean, I, you know, I mean, obviously with, with all of the human frailty that can be combined or that can be evinced in the midst of that, nevertheless, there is an, in fact, hope and a peace uh, that the world does not know that is evinced by believing Christians over against this increasing despair and sort of anger. I mean, that's all that is the heart of this. I mean, the, the the fact that you have the death with dignity movement taking, um, you know, taking off in all of these European countries at lower, uh, you know, uh, younger and younger ages, you know, this this sort of creeping um, nihilistic wave like the great nothing. And um never-ending story. I mean, we stand defiantly over against that. And hopefully with our not only with our lips, but with our lives as we pray, we event something of the contest over against the prophets of all.
2: Yeah, I was I was kind of thinking along with him the same lines. I mean, just just the, the 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 outrage that you're met with when you won't celebrate, when you won't affirm, when you don't wear the flag, when you or you raise the flag, when you don't do a obeisance and stuff in the way they want you to do obeisance. That rage is very similar to the prophets of Baal cutting themselves and mm-hmm. uh, and dancing around their altar and screaming, and they want you to die. They want you, to, <laughs> they want uh, you to submit uh, so badly, and not do, just not doing that, yeah, um, in a calm way and in a loving way. That just, I mean, that just that just increases the rage, and that um, they're waiting for the fire to come down. They're waiting for you, something to happen to you because you are not bowing down to their god. And I think that's they, they want to cancel you, they want to destroy you. Uh, they want to shut you up. And when you're not afraid, when they come at you raging and angry and you're just not afraid, I think that's where the their fire doesn't come down. That's where they they're, 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 they're angry because you're not destroyed and they're angry because you you you, you won't go along with what they, what they want you to go along with. And meanwhile, they're the ones being burned up, right? they're the, <laughs> they're the ones being, being consumed in, in their rage and anger and hatred and, and self-worship and we're fine.
0: So why don't we end on a note of good news here? What is other than keep on keeping on, which is a good word. I think that is what we are called to do, you know, worship and word and table week by week, day by day, hour by hour. What is, what is the encouraging word both to parents, uh, to their kids, to our congregations, to other people who will go up into pulpits on Sunday morning, what what can they t- take with them as an encouragement? Well, I think, first, first of all, we,
1: Matt, you, you end it, Matt, but I mean, I think the only thing I would say to that is that the debauchery and the sort of the darkness outside of the covenant people of God's life has been this dark before. You know, I mean, you read some of the, the accounts of ancient Near Eastern cultures and the various Places to which the Israelites and the um, and the, the people were exiled to, and the, and you think of the Apostle Paul in the early church in various cities, in Corinth and Galatia, and places like this. Like the this is nothing new. It's just something we have been called to, to face in our generation, afresh. And so that's that's the very least what gives me comfort. But Matt, you uh, you further down the field.
2: <laughs> I mean, I guess. You, you, you. All, both of you probably have this this experience on, on a Sunday morning when you're getting ready to preach, and you're not going up there relying on. Boy, I sure hope I, I have the right kind of you know, delivery. I mean, hopefully not. I, I sure hope I, 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 have the best rhetorical flourish at this particular line. If that's what I was hoping in, I'd be disappointed every time I preach, but, but I'm not hoping that. I'm, I'm hope. I know that the word that. God has given us is more powerful than anything I could I could add to it. So I trust that I go up there and preach and God will will do what He will do with His word and it's far more powerful than any flag or any slogan or any ideology. So, so that's 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 a confidence we have as preachers, but I think it's also the confidence that a, that a parent can have, a father, a mother, or a teacher can have, that, that, or a Sunday school teacher, whatever. You you have you have the most powerful thing in the world in your hands, uh, and, and that's um, Jesus speaking through the scriptures. So, so that's our that's our weapon, that's our tool. Isaiah
0: fifty five is true that the word of the Lord will go out into the world and not come back empty, but will in fact accomplish the purposes for which it was sent. Praise God. Well, thank you for listening to Stand Firm this week. If you would like to keep the conversation going with us, you can be in touch. You can rate and review the podcast on iTunes or send us an email at mailbag at standfirminfaith.com or join the Anglicans for the Gospel Facebook group. Thanks to J.D. Coke and Matt Kennedy. I'm Nick Landon, and Lord willing, we'll be back next week. Until then, by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, we'll be standing firm.